we'll talk about that in a second. Maybe I'll even turn your microphone on, too. It'll be nice. We also heard back from Palmer saying 16 hardworking kids. Yeah. He's about two weeks away from getting outside, and they are anxious to get there. Yes. We're anxious to have them there. i got to go up and see a practice at, at some yeah, point. I'm in. Try to do some scouting. Road trip. Road trip. Speaking of road trips... As I'm already waiting for the NFL schedule to be announced so I can plan my road trip to Nashville this year, Callie Oaks joins us from the Georgetown News Graphic in Kentucky. I admire the hell out of Palmer's optimism that he thinks he's going to be outside in two weeks. That's, that's really admirable. On it, honestly, Callie, it's so funny. It is this, this unbelievable monstrosity of snow like has melted quite a bit here over the last, I'd say, three or four days. And we're supposed to have, like, you know, that, that balmy 50 degrees here shortly. So, you know, you know it needs some it's rain funny, and some fog. Uh, it's funny how it just takes a few days of the sun being out to accomplish that when it's when it's 40 degrees. <laughs> we also need it, fog. Fog eats snow. Yeah, we need some fog, fog. Fog does eat snow. It, it, it'll snow. melt at night when you have fog. Big that's time. Thing. Yeah, that's the that's the that's anyway, super cool thing. I wonder if you could do that, rent a fogger. <laughs> Around, <laughs> <laughs> around a big machine. <laughs> uh, that's great. I know it works. <laughs> I feel like that's probably not the best decision, but you know, at the same time, might be worth a shot. Kelly, I told him when I was at Oak Hill, Bill Fairchild did some of the most idiotic things I've ever seen <laughs> to try to get on his field early. One year, he put pretty good sized rocks all around his infield, thinking. They would touch the sun. The sun would touch the top of them first, and it would melt out the snow. It did. Problem is, we couldn't get the the rocks out because it was too wet. The rocks are buried in the ground. Yeah, they bar- they, they just they- sunk right down. Oh yeah, he did. You name it. <laughs> that sounds like Billy. He tried everything <laughs> to get an advantage. In, in, oh man! In this week's hot corner. We, uh, Mr. Oaks discusses one of my favorite topics. Oh my God, Kelly! And that's the we dared to dream a we, little bit, didn't we? I can't believe you brought this up, Kelly. He's going to rant. You may as well hang up now because you're not going to get a chance to speak. The, the maybe you may will one day reach the NCAA tournament. Now you, my friend, are much more optimistic than I am here. But you know, I couldn't help but watch this this Loyola Chicago thing, and then after watching UMBC. You know, knock off a number one, like, UMBC and Maine play each other every year. Like, right? it's not out of the realm of possibility. This could this could be done. This isn't crazy. It would what, be a good thing. I guess that's what did it. Like, I, I can deal with, you know, I, watching it be Vermont and Binghamton and Albany all those years, it was easy to think, okay, it's never going to be. And when that conference expanded, when they adopted teams from, like, the real world, like, <laughs> yeah, that was when I was like, okay, maybe this will never happen. But but Maryland Baltimore kid that that's like that's like uh, you know that's almost like a community college right I mean it's like any anytime you get a, a hyphen a hyphen a directional like you know a school that sounds like it could be a high school in Kentucky you know <laughs> Baltimore County. they they got a lot of students though they do they do and they have the advantage of being in a uh, in a in a a city you know a real city. And that's the. I think that's a that's a key. And Loyola has the same thing. Loyola has the Chicago element. So that's that's the that's the pro, that's the hole in the in the argument or or, or the thinking process. But uh, you know, I, I just I just feel like there's enough good players out there, and there's enough there's enough across the board mediocrity, <laughs> and yeah. there's enough. Uh, there's enough people that slip through the cracks that maybe, just maybe, if you get the right guy, 
and you get a team that catches fire in late February, early early March, that, that maybe it could happen. But And, you know, you know if you it, get it, a, it, the right draw, it, too, you know, you never know. Yeah, I mean, you have to have a year where the conference is down a little bit. I'm sure Vermont, you know, I'm no big expert on Vermont. I didn't watch them, you know, play at all this year, but I would imagine it wasn't their, their best team. I would imagine they've been a little bit down from some some of their teams that have made the, you know, to to, to – to lose to a team the third time around that really wasn't really wasn't that great, but uh, but it just hit the hit, hit it right at the right time, and and you know there's a lot of things that have to have to work out for you, but you do need the players, you do need on some level to have the uh, the athletes to get it done, and uh, they're out there. It's just a matter of uh, finding a way to persuade them to go to Orono, Maine, which is obviously I think the hardest thing in 2018. That will be the hardest element of that whole discussion. But somebody, somebody can do it. Whether or not, whether it's Barron with his overseas recruiting connections or something like that, I, I don't know what it's going to take. But um, I'm interested to see how his uh, how his administration plays out there at Maine because he, he certainly did a, a job rescuing the the women's program from the doldrums. At least building the foundation for what Amy Vashon has been able to do now. Cowie, how about the other end of the spectrum now? Let's be real. We're both Dukies, and I think Cal could be under. I think Coach K could be under some pressure here. He had the best team in the country for three years. At least years. the most talent, anyway. You know, I, I, you, they haven't gone anywhere. Pointing this out that that the Cal Perry uh, endures a lot of uh, you know stress down here over that. You've you've had X number of players and X number of McDonald's All Americans, and you've only made it to you know the the Final Four this number of times. He's only you know. Krzyzewski's only been to the Final Four, I think, a couple of times in the last 10 years with essentially the best recruiting class all but all but one or two of those years. And, and he's going to have it again next year with the, the top three and, and you know some and, and a fourth guy who's in the top 13 or whatever. So there's, there's going to be no excuses. Yeah, I mean, you start to say, has the game, has the game passed him by a little bit? But I, I think... I don't think so. I think what this comes back to is that whole thing where there's just so much parity out there. I mean, being being one, two, and three on the uh, on the list don't separate you that much from two hundred or three hundred. Yeah, there, there's all kinds of schools out there with good players, and uh, it's a chemistry it's a chemistry experiment. You know, it's what it is. You're, every year you're, you're going out and getting those guys, but you got to figure out how they're going to fit together. I, I feel like as a as a Duke fan, I, I look back to that 2010 team that was senior dominated and had and was a basketball team, you know. And and then I look at it now, and it's a lot of interchangeable parts, and it, and it's nice parts. It's it's parts that look great on paper, and guys that are probably going to have good careers in the NBA, which which Duke players haven't always had. But uh, you know, at what price? Yeah, <laughs> we may see that. That's the new model that the. The one-and-done teams don't go anywhere because they haven't established that, what it takes to build a team and and so oh, on. Certainly over the last 10 years, I think we've seen the evidence of that, whether it was George Mason, whether it's Loyola, whether it's some other teams making runs to the Elite Eight and the Sweet 16 that uh, that nobody had thought of before the tournament. And those those schools have comparable players, you know, they ha- and they have guys that are hungry. Okay. Look at Loyola. When they showed that graphic that seven of those guys won state championships in high school, I said, you don't have to say anything more about that team. They are ticked-off winners. 
(laughs) that were passed over by, you know, you had those two guys that uh, went to school together in high school together in Kansas. Well, clearly, they were passed over by at least two schools that were in the Elite Eight along with Loyola. (laughs) And uh, they've got a chip on their shoulder from the time they leave high school, and then they stay all four years, and you're dealing with 22-year-old men with an agenda, with a with a with that chip on their shoulder, playing against eighteen, nineteen year old kids who are talented, but just don't have the same level of maturity and don't fit as well together, you're going to get what we get, which is a lot of these upsets. So it, it makes the tournament more fun to watch. That's for sure. Good point. You know, I thought a few years ago it was going to start being the mid major dumb until it started the one and done thing, and now with all this stuff changing, you're going to see a lot of these one and done guys leave. Do you think it's going to move this over so that these larger programs, your Dukes, your Kentuckys, um, can't say Louisville anymore? Um, I, I, I believe you're. I think we're banned from saying Louisville. Um, your Kansases and things like that. Do you think they're going to stop? You know, kind of screwing with that pool. I, I, I guess, and and maybe look for guys that. You know, we'll stick around for two, three years, maybe actually want to play in college and, and kind of build it that way. Does that tilt it more towards your your mids and your and your lower teams that, that all play together for longer periods of time? You know, I, I think Michigan has probably done it more the traditional way. Illinois. Kansas I think Kansas has done it more the traditional way with obviously the, the, the big transfer from, from Mississippi State with Newman. There's it just all shows there's more than one way to skin a cat here i mean there's more than one way to accomplish this you can do it with transfers you can do it with you know guys 20 25 years ago 30 years ago they were doing it with juco players unlv would, would go out and get you know they were two and done they 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 were guys that maybe had the uh didn't make it academically out of high school so they went and played for junior college and tarkanian would get them for two years and and, and they would be super talented guys and so it, there's always been a different way of doing it that's not the four-year traditional program and but they'll always i think you'll always have schools that do it that way including including big schools and i, I think there's a possibility that if uh, you know duke and kentucky continue to there's certainly a movement here in kentucky for calipari to to go back to recruiting homegrown guys that maybe aren't as as uber talented as, as the guys he's getting but a would put fannies back in the seats because the tickets are expensive and b uh you know, maybe over the course of four years, uh, develop into something that's a little more cohesive than what he's got right now. We're talking with Callie Oaks from the Georgetown News Graphic down in Kentucky. All right, I I posed a question to Coach Wing earlier, and I'm going to pose the same question to you. And this is kind of hot takey, but I just want you to be prepared for it. But this is a total hypothetical, okay? All right. I know you're not the biggest Gronk guy, all right? <laughs> Okay, you're not you're you're not the biggest. Let's say I the John, yeah. Let, let's say you get a phone call from a team in New York that may or may not be near and dear to Bill Belichick's heart. So you know it's not the Jets, and says, "Hey, how would you feel about swapping a first and a second rounder? And oh, we'll take that that Rob Gronkowski guy off your hands to trade you for Odell Beckham Jr. The salary cap number works. Yay or nay? Nay. Nay. Uh, I like, Total I like nay. That. I like Beckham even. I like Beckham even less than Gronk. I I like the. 
if, is there a pick involved, you said? Yeah, you're, you're swapping, you're, you're giving up your first for the Giants' second. So it's literally like you're swapping three spots, basically. Like, instead of get so you have oh, three so seconds. Oh, would actually be stepping down. Yeah, you're stepping That's, down three spots oh, in the draft. Man. But you're saving some money on the cap, because remember, instead of paying the first-round salary bonus, you're paying the second-round salary bonus. It's kind of what they did in 2014. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think you you potentially get a couple more years out of you know Beckham, obviously. But do you want that headache? You know, I, I do. You I think he'd know. be a headache in that locker room, though? Like, I feel like in L.A. with Indomik and Sue, like he would be a headache. Like to me, that's a problem. Like they're gonna have to. How does Todd Gurley feel if they go out and get all these guys? He's gonna be like, hey, someone want to someone want to. Uh, yeah, pay me. Pay me right. something? I mean, at some point, yeah. Jared Goff's going to want a new deal, too, because, you know, quarterbacks always want to get paid. Oh, that whole thing is not going to fly. That, that, no. That, you know, especially in today's NFL, you know, you, you just you just can't get away with it. I mean, you can't do that over the long term. You're you're going to have guys that you can't afford to, to pay anymore, and there's certain positions that you need to pay. <laughs> you're, you need to pay Goff. You need to pay Gurley. So, yeah. Uh, Unless you're Belichick and just don't care about that crap, and you, you get your quarterback, and then you have 44 other interchangeable parts, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, everybody says, well, he handled Randy Moss, and you know, he's handled some other guys. Corey Dillon was kind of a problem child, and he was in his prime, and he handled him fine. But I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's it, it just I don't see him fitting the mold. I mean, I don't, I don't, you know, for the most part, other than that time that. Moss was here. Brady's just he had these guys that he had a chemistry with, and you know they weren't, they, they, yeah, you know they weren't all pro receivers. He's always had kind of JV receivers that he made into stars, and I, I don't, I don't, I don't know about starting starting with a star like that. I, I, I just it's, it it goes against everything they've been all along. Now at some point you have to adapt and and, and realize that uh, maybe. Maybe uh, it gets you to the Super Bowl, but uh, to get over the hump, you need you need some star power. But uh, you know, I'm I'm reluctant. My my best thought on that is the Brady-led Patriots made the AFC Championship with Rishay Caldwell as their number one receiver. <laughs> exactly. Well, has there ever been a better hey, example than that? that that's it, it for me. Uh, 2000. Sixteen. Yeah, that yeah. was just. Oh and he dropped goodness. the touchdown pass. Troy, Troy Brown, Rache Caldwell. I mean, I, every time he threw that the bubble screen at Caldwell, I just would cringe because nine times out of ten he drop it. I mean, he wasn't even he wasn't yeah. even a good receiver for what the Patriots do. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, it's awful. Hey, by the way, I got a postscript from uh, Coach Palmer. Said, "Hey, hey, I said outside in two weeks. I never said anything about the field." We'll be ah, in the, well, he said parking. He has that all dirt infield. Yeah, I think he that said, might help him a little bit. Up he said there. parking yeah. lot, baby, parking lot. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Interesting. It's, 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 I, uh, the good. The good news is you, 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 it's only going to get better. You're only melting now. You know, even if you get another snowstorm, it's it's not going to stay. So. I've told Maddie the story that uh, I freshmen were not eligible when I went to Maine. You had to, you had to oh, play yeah. freshman at JVs, and so... Well, they're basically not eligible now because they all get redshirted. That's a good point. Ouch. So I uh, I played freshman baseball besides football, and uh, so spring practice, I'd had my lowers on, all my football stuff, and I'd go out and take some ground balls, hit a, hit a little bit in the cage, and then grab my shoulder pads helmet and go to football practice. <laughs> so 
Same thing. It was this time of year trying to get outside and whatever, and Bill Livesey was the freshman coach, and uh, he eventually went to Florida Southern or something like that. Anyway, he was just he was tired of being in the field house, and remember in those days it was a dirt infield. So, the, I mean, right. the stuff in your nose, it was just awful. So we go out to the parking lot, and he brings out rubber-coated baseballs, figuring if you hit a ground ball so much in the parking lot, eventually the balls are all going to be beat up. Well, that was fine for ground balls. Then he decided he wanted us to have some pop-ups in infield, get get used to that. So he takes his fungal wall and he starts hitting pop-ups. Well, I don't know if you've ever hit a pop-up with a rubber-coated baseball. Ooh. They spin and go all oh, yeah. over the place. There's, there's, so there's not no, only were the like, guys... It's like a wiffle ball. Oh, yeah. No, not only were the guys not catching them, the ball would hit and then come up and hit you under the chin. <laughs> we had two guys that... Had bloody noses. We had a chipped tooth. And every time we missed it, he got more mad. Oh, my God. It was a horror show. So, (laughs) Coach Palmer, do not hit rubber-coated baseballs up in the air for fly balls because it doesn't work. I admire any coach that's got to uh, plan for the the main preseason in baseball because you truly never know what you're going to get. I mean, there's been some years where... Day one, they were outside, or at least uh, you know, on on dry pavement. But uh, there's other years where the first time you're on the field is uh, game one. Oh yeah, game one, <laughs> April 25th, and and that's just you know, it, it's a it's a hard thing to to have a program that's consistent uh, when it's like that. You got to get kids to buy into that the whole indoor thing and the you know, batting cage thing and the you know <laughs> all of that. And it's not necessarily there's it's not a game with immediate gratification anyway and then when you throw that in the mix it's it's really tough maddie so. just got a a notice bates and colby moving the games to colby because they have trip field yeah that's true that's a good uh that's a good point and uh you know i and maine maine has that too so that, that that's helped them a little bit i i i think it's it's amazing to me what maine was able to accomplish back in the 70s and 80s with, with Dr. Wink and <laughs> with, with the conditions we had. I know people say, people say the weather's changed and maybe the snow wasn't didn't stay as deep then for as long or something. But, man, to, to have a situation where it was a grass field back then and to oh, yeah. not know whether you'd ever be on your field at home and, and have to play most of your games in Florida and South Carolina and, and, and get to the College World Series as many times as they did. Uh, just well, like, Butterfield and Winkler. That's something, that's something I truly feel will never be duplicated. I mean, I, I just don't see uh, that ever happening again just because of the way college baseball has changed. But uh, it's going to be quite a footnote to look back at a few years and say, wow, Maine actually did that. Yeah. I, I, I think sometimes it doesn't sink in that they did that. And it wasn't that long ago. It's crazy. Butterfield and Winkin. When Butterfield, when I was in school, Butterfield took him to the World Series, and uh, if Joe Ferris hadn't broken his hand, he was their top pitcher, and back then there was no DH, so everybody hit. He got up with the bases ordered twice in that World Series, and he couldn't hit. He, he uh-huh. bunted it in front out. You know, they got a chance. I think they finished second and might have won the whole World Series, so... Yeah, I know they know. finished third under third under Winkin one time, and yeah. then you know even their later years, like eighty four, eighty six, they would play Arizona, Texas, LSU, and there were a couple of times where they they had those teams on the ropes and just you know ran ran out of pitching. Uh, obviously, it, even then that was that seemed to be the difference, but uh, just just remarkable that they were able to do it with a lot of Maine and, and Massachusetts kids. Basically, it wasn't oh, yeah. like they were going all over the country to to recruit. 
All right, next question. Can Loyola make it to the, the national championship game? I think so. A lot of people... A lot of people looked at that ugly Michigan Florida State game and 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 said, "Well, there's there's a there's an open door for them." But I, you know, I think styles make fights. I don't think you can judge Michigan from that one game. They had other uh, they had other games in the tournament where they looked uh, they looked like a team that could go to the title game themselves. But uh, you know what I like about Loyola is they really blend the past and the present. They really they they kind of they kind of do my heart good because they're they're not oriented around the three, but they can hit it. They're not. Uh, they'll drain every second of the shot clock and, and, and use it up, and then and, and they'll pass up five good shots to get a great one. So uh, it's just really disciplined, disciplined basketball. And when you do that, I, you know it's not gimmicky. I think when you rely on the three pointer, some of these mid-major teams have relied on the three pointer so much over the year that it, it you know, I, I say that's what I call it as gimmicky. I think your luck runs out after a while. Those shots aren't always going to fall for you. And then what are you going to fall back on? I think they've got things to fall back on. I think they, they, they get after it defensively. They, they shoot at a high percentage. Uh, you know, those are, those are all things that, uh, that won't betray you. If you play the, the right style of basketball, you're going to be able to apply it in any, any environment. You know, what, what gets me about them is how close are they not to getting in this thing? You know, I, I read a thing last night that talked about their their conference quarterfinal game where Northern Iowa had them on the ropes. It was like a tie game with a, a minute or two left. And had they lost that game, they were going to the NIT. And maybe we need to examine what's wrong with the system here <laughs> because that team clearly belonged in the NCAA tournament, and they would have uh, they would have been left out at the you know to to get Oklahoma or someone else in. And that's just to me it, to me it's wrong. And I, I know we can. We can use stats all day to say that you know those those major schools have a you know X number of wins and a better winning percentage over the years and all that. But I, I think we've seen enough evidence these past ten years that those those good mid-major schools that have a regular season where they go twenty-eight and four or whatever, uh, they belong in the tournament. You know, there's a reason that you know someone like St. Mary's, same thing. It's just. It would have been a crime if Loyola hadn't gotten in, and thank goodness they did because it's been a nice story. Uh, short answer, shorter answer to your question is, yeah, I think they can win. Um, I, I had Duke over Michigan in the final before the tournament, so I guess i got to stick with Michigan, but I'm certainly no Michigan fan, so go Ramblers. Yeah, we we uh, it would be nice to it would be nice to see if the uh, you know this table seems a lot longer than it really is. I should start having you sit over there. That's what I should Keep start doing. Keep putting that feet together. Yeah, yeah, all the time because I'm over on this side, like constantly, and it's like you guys having space issues. Yeah, or? there's constantly like a stretcher, and it's amazing because this table is like enormous, yet somehow not at the same time. Like it's just, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Like I don't, I, I don't get it. I hate to say this, but I think what was the last year Loyola, Chicago was in the. Spotlight like this, I think I was eighty eighty five. They they play. They made the tournament, and won a game. And a guy named Mel Frederick Hughes. It was like, I think he might have played in the NBA briefly. Uh, but their championship year was sixty three. Yeah, I was going to say sixty three. I hate to say this, guys. I was in eighth grade, getting ready to go to yeah. high school. Wow. Yeah. I hate to say it, but I was minus nine. Yeah. <laughs> what year was this again? <laughs> 63. 63. 63. I was negative 15 at that point. Yeah. You guys, you are, just, you guys I was, are just puppies. I was, I was a my, negative my, teenager my at that time. parents were in high school in 63, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> See? Uh, there you go. 
There you go. Good Lord. That's how it works. Oh, and by the way, the, the best thing that came out of my week this week, uh, Callie, I moved my TV closer to the window so I can now watch Antenna TV so I can actually watch reruns of The Ropers on Sunday. Like, this that is... That is awesome. This, this Man, makes did, my did I see something the other day? Did I see something online the other day uh, that, that, that WKRP might be yes. coming back on reruns? That's April, oh my April God. 12th. Really? A- a- April oh 12th God. on Antenna TV. That is actually happening. Yeah. You need oh, to... Man, I would I would start hmm. scanning your channels down there baby. in Kentucky and figure out which one is Antenna and, like, put that on. Yeah. KRP. It's back on. I'm oh. pretty pumped. Less Nessman, baby. That, that's that's something that needs to happen in my life. Yeah, it does. Well, and it bugs me because I've got Hulu, and they only have well, season one of WKRP on well, there. I'm like, dude, there's 57 more seasons. Like, put them on oh, there. Yeah. What was what was that her was name? For a long time. Yeah. What was her name? Well, you had Lonnie Anderson, and then you also oh, yeah, had Lonnie. the and then you had the the other girl. Ba- like, I was a Bailey. Ba- guy. Bailey Quarters. I can't remember oh, yeah, her yeah, name yeah, was yeah. in real life. Yeah, she was she Lonnie, was arrested years Lonnie later for Anderson. driving naked down the turnpike on a motorcycle while intoxicated. <laughs> no way. Yeah. Like <laughs> Google that. Like I always thought I always thought that, you know, the Lonnie Anderson character was the that seems uh, like a plot from the show. Yeah, yeah doesn't it? You know, it? like totally like what happened? Like, I don't know. How like, about the Thanksgiving turkeys at the- Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. That's they the one. Dropped out of like, the helicopter. Yeah, that shared. Oh, oh yeah, that's 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 the media. that's the Thanksgiving <laughs> tradition hey, you know you guys are gonna laugh but i i made a when we did the the re the construction at oak hill we put on an addition they took my office off so i didn't have an office so i went out in the main office and i moved the secretaries over a little bit and i put one of les nesman's walls up six feet high <laughs> you put black duct tape on the yeah floor? and i put black i did and when the teachers come in they'd see the duct tape and start laughing and saying oh my god les nesman and that's where my I, my desk was behind the secretary with a little divider. Oh yeah, great stuff. Uh, now that coach is done dating himself with all the oh I know, bad is I've already done that. I'm pretty sure. Oh hey, look at the time! Look at the time! It's a B-list daily from the Spectrum Healthcare Partner Studios across the NBR Radio Network. Callie Oaks from the Georgetown News Graphic and bi-weekly columnist for the Sun Journal. Make sure you read his read his latest column in the Sun Journal. Miracles could happen. Could the University of Maine make it to the tournament? Mr. Oaks says yes. I would like to agree, but we'll see. Yeah, let's all wait and see. Let's all, wait, guys. let's all wait and see. Talk to you soon. My best to the missus and the young man. Take care. Yeah, you got it. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Callie Oaks from the Georgetown News Graphic in Kentucky and bi-weekly columnist in the Sun Journal joins us every Tuesday here on the B-List from the Spectrum Healthcare Partner Studios across the NBR Radio Network on Sports Time Maine, AM 780.